Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I guess you could call this pod an addendum number two podcast because like the breakdown of Jack Del Rio being hired as the defensive coordinator of the Washington Redskins after we had speculated it'd be someone else joining head coach Ron Rivera, it turns out we did the same thing when it comes to the offensive coordinator position. Specifically, the reports were that incumbent offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell was likely to be retained by the staff in some capacity, but as we learned on Tuesday, it's actually, in fact, going to be former Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator Scott Turner who will be assuming that position here in Washington. Now, before we dive into the background of Scott Turner and what we can possibly expect from his offense vis-a-vis the Redskins, I wanted to address an idea that's making the rounds on social media or had made the rounds on social media earlier in the week that O'Connell didn't want to stay here in D.C. and his lack of desire stemmed from some type of um, negative feelings or some type of shade or some type of indictment on Dwayne Haskins. And because obviously the local media and the fans always want to turn everything into a debate over Haskins in a viability, um, that's where this argument took off. People were making O'Connell wanting to leave the Redskins and bypass the chance to further develop Haskins as, again, some type of indictment against both the organization and the quarterback. Some people even went as far as saying that Josh, if Josh McDaniels had gotten a job with the New York Giants, which clearly wasn't the case, and if O'Connell joined McDaniels as the offensive coordinator there, that means he hated the Redskins and the fact that he's working with Daniel Jones over Haskins means that he liked Jones over Haskins and that Haskins is some type of bust. So all of this just goes to prove one thing, that social media is the place where thinking before speaking, providing rational thoughts, and having pragmatic and productive discourse, all of it goes to die. Twitter is literally the opposite of those and so is social media as a whole. The All of this is a really simple concept that's being conflated into a completely pointless talking discussion thing, all right? More than anything else, and I mean anything else, the NFL is about relationships. And if you want a prime example of that, look at the way that Ron Rivera has built his own staff here in Washington, which is comprised of old Carolina Panthers guys whom he coached with down there, including Scott Turner. I had a former colleague actually put it to me or give me a metaphor, which I think is really apropos in this situation. When I was debating between staying at a job where I was comfortable, where I had tenure, and um, I was given an opportunity to take on a new job in a new capacity with potentially more upside. And the colleague had told me at the time, you're debating between the devil you know and the devil you don't know. But in this case, the devil you know for O'Connell is actually working with some of his former colleagues from the New England Patriots. He knows Josh McDaniels. He knows McDaniels would be about, given the Patriots culture that he's basically been steeped in the whole time. You can't really say that the devil you know for O'Connell is Ron Rivera, considering O'Connell is the lone incumbent on a staff full of Carolina guys and doesn't really have a situation where he crossed paths with Rivera in his past. So think about the awkwardness of the situation of O'Connell being the lone holdover guy in a new regime full of all Carolina guys and how... Regardless of how professional you handle that, it's kind of one of these things is not like the other. And then there's another wrinkle to consider all of this when you cons- when you think about the O'Connell, McDaniels, and New England alumni background. Let's say McDaniels takes the Cleveland Browns position as head coach, or he becomes the head coach of a team where there's currently not an opening, but then something opens up. If that was the case, as many have speculated, McDaniels might take O'Connell with him. But there's also league insiders who believe that McDaniels might take Patriots quarterbacks coach Jerry Shuplinski with him instead as his offensive coordinator. If that were the case, 
that may potentially leave the door open for O'Connell to go to New England and replace McDaniels to be the offensive coordinator, given the fact that Bill Belichick already has some level of under, uh, some level of working familiarity with O'Connell. And even if McDaniel stays in New England, and I actually think that's the most likely situation right now, and that would probably mean that Jerry Shuplinski is staying put as well as the quarterback's coach. Even in that scenario, O'Connell could rejoin the Patriots organization to coach their wide receivers after that position opened up with New York Giants hiring Joe Judge, who I'm always going to start calling him Judge Joe Brown in my head, but his name is Joe Judge, but in my head he's going to be Judge Joe Brown. Um, While people would say that O'Connell taking a wide receivers coach position would be a step back for him because he's going from a coordinator to a position coach. He's still joining an organization that's very likely to be a playoff contender next year. He still has the chance to work in an offense that's got Tom Brady, who still has maybe just a little bit left in the tank. And again, this one step backwards could be the perfect ground for him to take two steps forward. So regardless of where he ends up, O'Connell believed that he had a better chance of joining up with colleagues with whom he had familiarity or taking a chance at an opportunity where he was invited and welcomed, meaning wherever he gets hired next, versus being the holdover from someone else's regime. One of the worst places in the professional world, football or otherwise, is being a holdover employee for a boss who's coming in to make sweeping changes. I've seen it in my own life, it hasn't gone well, and that's probably doubly the case when it comes to football. So, to be very, very clear, it's O'Connell didn't leave the Redskins because he hated Dwayne Haskins, because he thinks Daniel Jones was the best quarterback in the, in the last year's draft. It's not because he hated Dan Snyder, although you probably couldn't blame him if, if he did hate Dan Snyder. And it's not because he hated Redskins fans, and you definitely couldn't blame him if he hated Redskins fans, given the way that many of us behave online. O'Connell did what he felt was in his best professional interest, and we shouldn't blame him for that. And if nothing else, we should probably just now close the book on O'Connell. So having said that, let's move on to Scott Turner. Now, as Pro Football Talk so eloquently stated in an article they wrote, one of the dozens of articles they wrote a day, they write a day, North Turner holds the distinction of being the first head coach fired when Dan Snyder took over as owner of the Washington Redskins. And to be really honest with you, I was surprised that Turner would work for Snyder, considering the way Snyder did Papa Norv dirty when he fired him in 2000. Um, evidently, time heals all wounds, but if we're being honest, I wouldn't be nearly as forgiving as Scott Turner as Scott Turner is if someone publicly shamed my father like that. In fact, I'd probably walk into the interview room, and as soon as the interviewer walked down, I'd try to rearrange his jaw and lunge across the desk and, and, and deck him. But um, clearly, Scott Turner is a bigger man than I am, and he feels otherwise because he's already hit the ground running here. He's already decked out his entire Twitter profile, and he looks highly, highly motivated based off everything he's saying. So with all of that being said, let's take a closer look at Turner and his NFL resume. Now, let's go back to 2011, where he got his first real gig in the NFL as the offensive quality control coordinator with the Carolina Panthers. That's when Ron Rivera came there, and obviously he was a part of Rivera's staff. Um, he actually worked under offensive coordinator, or then offensive coordinator, Rob Chudzinski, and the two of them were responsible for helping make a rookie quarterback named Cam Newton, who, don't forget, became who became, rather, the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards in his rookie season. Now, following his second season there, Turner followed Chudzinski to Cleveland when Chud was offered the head coaching position based off of the success with the Panthers' offense. And when Turner came there, he was named Chud's offensive, a wide receivers coach. 
And whether you want to call it a coincidence or whether you believe in this case that correlation implies causation, 2013, again, when Turner was coaching the wide receiver position in Cleveland, was the year that a certain physical specimen by the name of Josh Gordon popped off for 87 catches, 1,646 yards, and nine touchdowns. For all the hype that's always around Josh Gordon year after year, don't forget that that's the only season where Gordon had more than 1,000 yards and five touchdowns in his entire NFL career. Now, uh, Turner and Chud were there for two years, but in typical Cleveland Browns fashion, they stunk the second year, which lead to, led to a total house cleaning. And Turner then kind of popped up in Minnesota as the Vikings quarterbacks coach in 2014. And in 2014, that's when he began working with another rookie quarterback who went by the name of Teddy Bridgewater, goes by the name of Teddy Bridgewater. And by the end of Bridgewater's rookie year, he was named to the all-rookie team and selected as the Pepsi Rookie of the Year that season. And that's voted by the fans, but nonetheless. But one year later in 2015, Bridgewater actually made it to the Pro Bowl as a quarterback, or as the Vikings quarterback, rather, after just his second season. And then in the following offseason, Bridgewater suffered that horrific knee injury in a non-contact situation, which led to Minnesota then actually trading for Sam Bradford. In that season where Bradford and Turner worked together, Bradford threw for a career-high 3,877 yards and threw for 20 touchdowns that year. The 20 touchdowns was Bradford's second-highest season or second-best season in terms of touchdown total over his entire career. Now, uh, after that, Turner had a brief foray over in Michigan before joining back with the Panthers staff as the quarterback's coach in 2018 when Rivera brought on our good friend Papa Norv as the offensive coordinator over there. We tweeted this out from the Hail to the District Twitter account, at Hail to DC, in case you're not following us on Twitter, but I would strongly make it worth your while, or believe it's worth your while, and strongly recommend that you check out the phenomenal piece that um, Albert Beer, Albert Beer, I got beer on the mind, Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated uh, wrote prior to the start of the 2019 season, talking about the relationship that Scott Turner had built with Cam Newton. And in that piece, a few things really stood out to me particularly the fact that Turner made it his mission to figure out how to deliver information in a way that Newton could best digest it. My current boss has a great mantra that he always says, which is really applicable here, that the job of a leader isn't just to deliver edicts and information to everyone else. It's his or her job to deliver those edicts and the information in a way that the recipients can most effectively internalize and mobilize on them. That's what Turner did when working with Newton. Breer's story talked about how Newton admitted to being one of those guys who hates to study in a rote, routine, dedicated time of day, repetitive day after day type of fashion at the same time every single day. Turner acquiesced to that. He made himself available at all the time. Anytime Newton wanted to do a deep dive into the playbook, Turner was available. Or anytime Newton had questions about the playbook, Turner made sure to make himself available so that he was always there to work when Newton was ready and willing to really put in the time. And this is not an indictment of Newton's work ethic. Newton's an amazing worker, but he's just kind of wired a little differently in this case. And to that end, Turner actually taught Newton how to not just work harder, which had never really been an issue for Newton, again, to reiterate, but to work smarter optimizing the efforts that he was already putting in to have the maximum amount of impact and the maximum amount of return on investment. Newton commented in that same story that he was completely confident that Turner always had Newton's best interest in mind. He was still someone, yet at the same time, Newton still saw him as someone that he could go to for brutally honest advice, which was actually something that Cam Newton really craved and something that was really important for him from a trust standpoint. 
And yes, the best thing about all of that is that the trust did manifest itself on the field in terms of some level of success. In 2018, from an advanced analytics perspective, Newton went from a bottom 10 quarterback in terms of expected completion percentage the year before Turner arrived to a top 10 quarterback in that first season in the same stat working with Turner. Now, obviously in 2019, Newton was nowhere near healthy. He was injury riddled for the first portion of the season. They shut him down sometime around the fourth or fifth game, and that forced Carolina to turn to Kyle Allen. And we all know that things completely fell off the reels for the Panthers last season, especially after they dismissed Rivera. But don't forget the fact that Kyle Allen was 4-0 in his first four games as the Panthers starting quarterback, throwing for seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, had an over 65% completion rate, and an average of just over 225 yards per game. Again, from a guy who more than likely will never be a starting quarterback in the NFL game. The NFL again, rather. Um, one of the other things I really liked about Brewer's story, to be honest, is that Turner really focused on developing a system for Newton, but also a scheme that maximized Newton and Kyle Allen's level of comfort. There are way too many NFL coaches who try to jam a square peg player into a round hole scheme. But the Turners, Norv and Scott, they did the opposite. They realized where Newton fared better, where Allen fared better, and they tried to manipulate things for them. And one example of that was Newton, they discovered, fared better when he was targeting the middle of the field. And his numbers overall fared better when the teams would pass in early situations early down situations. And that's those types of data that they took into building into their offensive strategy. Al Galdi of 980 actually tweeted a really good stat about this. On first downs in the first half of games, when Scott Turner was calling plays, the Panthers threw the ball almost 54% of the time, so more than half. So that should bring some comfort to the Redskins fans who were reading some of the stuff that Panthers fans had said that, um, you know, that Turner had this dogmatic run-run pass mentality and he did that over and over on first through third down. The data actually actually tells you differently. I think all of this really is to say bringing it full circle. Yes, continuity for the sake of Haskins' development would have been awesome if we had kept O'Connell around in that perspective. But this is clearly not Rivera's prime objective. And frankly, O'Connell didn't see staying he here in D.C., no matter what, as his prime objective. It is what it is, so we need to start looking ahead. I love the fact that Turner is bringing along Ken Zampezi as his quarterback's coach, as Zampezi himself was very instrumental in the development of Carson Palmer. He turned Andy Dalton into an above-average, if not slightly better, quarterback in the NFL when during his time, Zampezi's time, in Cincinnati. And Zampezi actually worked with Baker Mayfield last year. And before you scoff at mentioning Baker Mayfield, don't forget that Mayfield was really, really good last season as much as he, as he, as he was really, really bad this past season. So Redskins fans suffering some type of Stockholm syndrome with O'Connell. Yes, I also hate that Haskins will have to learn his second offensive system in as many years. But the hiring of Scott Turner, and especially Turner, Turner bringing along Zampezi, means that Rivera is giving Haskins two excellent teachers to learn, yes, his second offense in, in two years. But the more I read about Turner, the more I let the hire sink in, I'm increasingly excited about it. He's a young, energetic guy who, surprisingly, is very excited to be here in D.C., and that to me is good enough, really. Um, he wants to, he has a track record of working with young, talented quarterbacks, if not rookie quarterbacks. And I believe he can translate all of that experience into working with Haskins. So wanted to kind of state that about the offensive coordinator position today and put a button on that. Maybe you can pick up the conversation sometime during the season. I believe we're going to do so anyway. 
So with all of that being said, thank you so much for those of you who have made it to the end of this episode. One more familiar call to action for all of you. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on social media at Hail to DC on Twitter or at the Hail to the District YouTube channel on YouTube. And you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. So once again, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. 